0: So much of life right now is taking place on the internet.
1: But yeah, for a significant portion of the population, that is a cost that is too large to bear.
0: Some people just can't afford to have internet in their homes. So they depend on school, work, libraries, coffee shops for all the access that they need. When all those are closed, that's not an option. Other people may have data on their phones, but even that runs out because that's expensive too. And depending on your lifestyle, depending on your needs, depending on your job, you're not aware of so many things that people would need internet for but can't access. Applying for jobs.
1: sustaining communication with family members.
0: Online classes. Email. If you need to go to the grocery store. Even just looking up the store hours.
1: The internet just seems like a public utility. It's it's something that, of course, we have. You Just like you have water uh, and electricity. But unfortunately, that doesn't exist. There are clear ways to deploy additional broadband to make sure that everyone who Wants it, can access it.
0: And it'll take time, but there are ways to fill in the gaps in the meantime. If, you know, Verizon's willing to get on board. From News at Northeastern, this is Litmus, a conversation with Northeastern University's groundbreaking researchers. We connect what's going on in their labs to what's going on in your life. We're News at Northeastern reporters Aria Bracci and Emily Arnson Just like that, perfect. Um, and then I'm also going to record in Skype just as a backup, just in case you drop your phone and everything goes to goes to garbage.
1: Oh yeah, 100% understand. <laughs> I'm Dave Trofness, Associate Professor in the Corey College of Computer Sciences.
0: You and I are talking over the internet right now. We're not even talking over the phone. We're, we're talking over our internet connection on Skype because we can't be in the same place right now.
1: So it's great um, that we have uh, a global internet that was designed to be resilient in the face of massive changes. Uh, on the other hand, there are massive changes. These networks are being stressed in ways that they were not optimized for, um, and that's really what the main concern is. So maybe you know you, your your streaming video is a is a little bit grainier, or uh, the quality of uh, your your video calls is is a little bit lower but you can still sustain that connectivity.
0: But some people just don't have dedicated internet connections. At all. You don't really have an idea accurately of how many people don't have internet, is that correct?
1: Yeah, so there's there's been a couple of programs, but the, the one I'm most familiar with is the survey of um, broadband access.
0: Okay, and then before we go any further, could you define broadband? Right.
1: So um, it looks like you could be as low as 200 kilobits per second. Think of it as the blurriest YouTube video you've watched. Okay, cool. Um, The best that we have is relying on internet providers to tell us uh, whether certain regions have broadband or not. And that doesn't tell you who isn't covered by these companies. There are plenty of people whose cell phones and cell service are their only internet connectivity. Or they may not have internet access because they can't afford it. And so there's news reports of families having to drive their children to parking lots of libraries and other locations where there's free internet so that they can even complete their work to stay on track. It's hard for me to imagine things that people are expected to do in this situation. Online banking, that's not an option. iMessage doesn't work. SMS might, but iMessage won't. Navigation tools like uh, Google Maps that that's not gonna help you. You
0: can't order delivery, watching movies or playing games. Similar to how you were saying before that people who don't have access to internet were, you know, for example, going to library parking lots, do you think that there are any sort of makeshift solutions that people can try to make now a little bit easier?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd start actually, again, not focusing on the people, but there have been tools in the U.S. to address this. The FCC has a lifeline program and at least one other program that historically has been available to help get internet access. But unfortunately, during the current FCC, these programs have been uh, largely mothballed. And now in the middle of a crisis, we see how short-sighted those approaches were. In other developing regions. Facebook uh, started a program called Free Basics. Uh, they worked with cell providers to offer free internet access. This was at no cost to subscribers. The downside was it was limited. You you don't access the whole internet, you only access sites that are made available through this Free Basics program, and they are fairly limited. I'm not saying that this should necessarily be replicated in the U.S. or, you know, that Gating internet access in this way is at all a good idea, but it at least shows that there's ways to partner with telecom providers to give access, the access to the internet that people need um, with no cost to consumers. That's why cell service is possibly a more reasonable way to go about this because usually there is already cell coverage in a large part of the country uh, without having to set up additional infrastructure. It ends up that it costs a lot of money to get that last small fraction of the U.S. population online because you have to build new infrastructure that doesn't exist. That was a big cost that telephone companies had to absorb to be in business uh, in the U.S., but they did it.
0: So it doesn't sound like this could happen anytime soon.
1: It depends on your definition of soon.
0: Well, if we, if we operate with the definition of soon, meaning I need it tomorrow so that my life can progress almost as normally as, as it was before this pandemic, it sounds like no.
1: Absolutely not. No. And this is the thing that just like many things we're realizing with COVID-19, we needed to be planning for this months, if not years ago you can't just wave a magic wand and create infrastructure that can handle more internet traffic or connect more people. That stuff takes time. The internet is, uh, as uh, you know, the, the late Senator Stevens said, a series of tubes. Um, even if that's not the right metaphor, the fact is there's, there's wires and they need to be placed or they need to be upgraded. And that just takes time. It you know, requires essentially construction. It costs a lot of money. And of course, on top of that, during COVID-19, a lot of activities are reduced or, or cut out entirely as part of the mitigation effort. So it's sort of a, a perfect storm of a situation where we just can't address this in sort of the immediate way that so many other things on the Internet seem to be able to be addressed.
0: Have you tried turning it off and on again? We can acknowledge that it shouldn't be on the citizens to find these solutions themselves and enact them on a personal level. But here in my apartment in Boston, like looking at it now, there's roughly 30, maybe 40 Wi-Fi networks that I could connect to. If all those people were to just take their passwords off and, and you know, anyone that didn't have Internet could just connect to any of them, what would happen? Would that be helpful?
1: If The end result was that a whole bunch of people connected to your Wi-Fi, and you and I were having this call right now, it would not be going very well. And that would work fine for those of us like you and I who are in densely populated regions, but again, it just doesn't really solve the problem where the problem is. For people who have no internet, why, if they have a phone, which a lot of the population does at least have a cell phone, why can't we provide free internet access to everyone? The companies that have the spare capacity, and there are internet providers that do, should make it available. It's, it's not doing any good right now, unused. It is worth the public good that comes out of it that you know, these, these are people who will remain connected, who will be able to hopefully rejoin the workforce, who will be able to stay in school and keep up in their educations, and then you know, be uh, active members of society who can eventually become subscribers for these companies that, that offered them uh, a good and a time of need.
0: Special thanks to Dave Chofness, Associate Professor in the Corey College of Computer Sciences at Northeastern University. Sound engineering by me, Aria Bracci. Mixing and mastering by Anthony Polito. Our editor is David Filipov. From News at Northeastern, this is Litmus. We're News at Northeastern reporters Aria Bracci and Emily Arnson.